Good morning. Morning. So, <clears throat> next Sunday, we are setting foot on a three months long journey we call Ango. And so today's discussion is devoted to addressing and clarifying first what is Ango and then how should we work with this upcoming spring Ango. So what is Ango? Most of you know, but it's good to review. Ango, as you know, dates back to the time of the Buddha uh, during the monsoons. Uh, when it was unsafe to, to travel, so he instructed his followers to stay in one place and uh, deepen their practice for three months. Later on, it became a traditional aspect or part of our Zen training, and uh, we use that, uh, we do it twice a year, uh, spring and fall, and we use that those three months to dive deeper into practice, to as we often say, tighten up the slack. And in regards to slack, or in regards to tightening up, when we are not tightening up, we are loosening up. It's not, there's no in-between. So it's important to, to uh, acknowledge that. The tendency is to loosen up. So twice a year, we take the time for three months and address what needs to be addressed. Now, uh, typically we have a theme for each ango, and uh, we work together uh, on the theme as a group, as a, as a sangha, but we also work with the theme uh, individually, personally, because while we are practicing together, this, this practice is, is extremely personal, in the sense that we don't have the same, well, we're not the same, while we are, we're not the same, and we also bring in uh, different aspects of karma, different karmic streams that we each individually have to work with. So, so we share the path together, we, we encourage each other, support each other, but the work itself is, is extremely personal. So the way we work with the theme uh, is the same, very personal. Now, this, the theme for this ango is, is wholeheartedness. And there's a lot there to unpack. And uh, I'm going to address some of it today. Uh, and, and a lot of it will be uh, addressed on the go as we, as we dive deeper into it to try to understand first what it is. And then second, how do I apply it? What does it mean for me? So, Master Longji said, Today is not your first arrival here. Since the ancient home before the empty kalpa, clearly nothing has been obs obscured. Although you are inherently spirited and splendid, still you must go ahead and enact it. So, although you are born as a Buddha, there's no, there's no other way to be born. And there's no other way to die. Uh, there are many ways to live. While we are born as a Buddha, we are a Buddha, we die as a Buddha, we can live a life that is completely different. Right? We can live a life that is denying Buddhahood. And even that doesn't change anything. The only thing it changes is the way we live our lives. And 
whether or not we create harm or how much harm we create to ourselves and others. So there's no question about Buddhahood. There is the great question of whether or not we are uh, obeying it or the question of what are we obeying. So our practice is, is not a vehicle that transports us to another dimension and it's also not a method of creating a Buddha. The practice is a way to realize what we already are by nature or from birth. And one of the most direct ways to realize is to direct laser beam attention and undivided engagement with life as it manifests moment by moment. In other words, to be wholehearted in an unconditional way. But the problem is we are easily distracted by our thoughts and emotions, so the cultivation of such a state of being requires discipline and perseverance over a long period of time. As Longji said, although we are inherently spirited and splendid, we still must go ahead and enact it. And the way to enact it requires the cultivation of great discipline. If we don't, or when we don't, then the calm extremes take over and we end up repeating the same ways again and again and again, or going back to those ways. So typically we do not abide in a state of expressing wholeheartedness unconditionally. In fact, we are quite stingy with how we dispense our attention as if there is a finite amount of it in our disposal and as if we need to save it for another person, another situation, another time, another season. It's kind of like having those nice clothes in the closet that we save for a nice day. What if this is the nice day? What if this is the only day? And what if this is the only opportunity? What if there is no tomorrow? How do we know that there is what we think as tomorrow? How do we know? So when we are not giving ourselves wholeheartedly, as we often do, we usually feel justified since it is based on our likes, dislikes, or indifference regarding the situation we encounter or the person we may be just talking with or sharing time with. So often we, we, we know that we are not wholehearted and we feel that there are good reasons to not be wholehearted. I don't like this person. I don't like winter. I don't like whatever it is. And because I don't like it, why would I? Why should I give it all? I don't want to give it all, right? And so to be wholehearted, the heart in that wholeheartedness is actually kokoro, right? It's not just heart, it's heart-mind. And kokoro bypasses the thinking mind, right? So it goes directly to the heart or to the center. So the mind doesn't have any say in that. The choice to be wholehearted is the choice to be. 
the choice to intimately be, completely and fully. One of my uh, uh, Aikido teachers, passed away, a Japanese teacher, used to say, no commitment, no harmony. No commitment, no harmony. Now, he, he said that in relation to Aikido practice in, in terms of the one who is attacking and the one who is receiving the attack, both have to be fully committed to that interaction. Otherwise, it is impossible to achieve unity in motion. Now, this applies to everything, not just being on the mat, practicing Aikido. Obviously, it applies to relationships, right? Two people want to have a relationship. Both need to be fully committed. Otherwise, there is no harmony. And it applies to everything, especially relationship with life. How am I with this life? Am I intermittent in terms of how much commit commitment am I putting into it? Does it have to do with what it is that, I'm, that I encounter? Am I stingy or am I generous with myself, with giving the whole of myself? And no harmony is no unity, no merging. It's interesting that the word shalom in Hebrew actually originates in, in uh, wholeness or completeness. Shalem means, in Hebrew, means complete, and shalom is obviously peace. And peace is the same as completeness. So if we want to experience peace, we have to be complete. We have to express wholeheartedness, regardless of what the thinking mind says. And that's the challenge, because the thinking mind has a lot to say about everything, as we all know. So wholeheartedness, and there are a few, few aspects I want to bring up, and we can open it up after that to explore it further. So it means to be fully present, to give full and undivided attention, to be unconditional, to be unconditional, to be fully engaged with every situation from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep. It doesn't mean we always feel enthusiastic about everything, obviously. But when we don't feel enthusiastic, we have to ask, is that a barrier for me being wholehearted? Do I have to love it in order to be wholehearted? It also means being generous, not being stingy with my attention. Fully present, fully giving. Dynamic versus static. Wholeheartedness is dynamic. Things change moment by moment. I change moment by moment. Right? So if I am willing to be wholehearted, I am moving. I am dynamic. I am not judging the level of wholeheartedness based on a static thought that's been floating around in my mind for many decades maybe. It also means to live in a state of seamless existence. Seamless existence. Moment by moment, second by second, we flow, we move, we change. We take the shape according to the need. We listen, we pay attention. Being unified, harmonized, merged, not scattered. Now the mind, the thinking mind is either 
in the past or in the future. But to be wholehearted is to be here, to fully be here, not in the past, not in the future. Also abiding in a state of choiceless awareness, choiceless awareness. You remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Shinjin Mei and uh, the text of the Shinjin Mei, the, the one I used for the talk was the one we have on our sutra book, but I also attached uh, to the uh, email with the recording another variation, another translation, which I think will be very helpful for us to work with individually, personally, as we go through this ango. Because the Shinjin Mei essentially is a state of non-duality. And non-duality is another way to, to say abiding in a state of choiceless awareness. Just being here, being fully, completely wholehearted. That is a state of non-duality. It also means to not disparaging the Buddha not going against ourselves, not going against our true nature. Who am I to judge this? I'm not the Buddha who judges it. I'm the thinking mind which I am attached to, which I obey, which I go along with. And to go along with the thought is to disparage the Buddha, not the old dude, the one sitting on this cushion. That's the old, that's the Buddha. That's the ancient Buddha. So to not be here fully is to disparage the Buddha. And to connect from heart mind also to bypass the mind, kind of like children are when they play. They're completely immersed in whatever it is that they're doing. The differences between uh, a childlike being immersed and what we are working on cultivating is that we maintain a sense of spatial awareness while we are fully immersed. Which means if something happens, you feel it, you sense it, you hear it. You're not detached from reality. You're immersed in reality. And then knowing, feeling, sensing what's around you at the same time. So in the next three months, we will work with cultivating a mind that is freely giving wholehearted attention, regardless of judgmental thoughts that arise automatically. And they will arise, they do arise. And it's okay, we don't have to shut down the mind. This is what we practice every period of Zazen. We work with the mind or a mind that is highly erratic, always has something to say, and we teach ourselves to stay. We teach ourselves to stay on the cushion, on the chair, on the bench. Then we keep teaching ourselves to stay wholehearted, moment by moment, regardless of what comes, knowing that we don't know what will come, knowing that we don't know. And not knowing should not be a barrier to being wholehearted. In fact, nothing is essentially a barrier to being wholehearted. Nothing is, unless we decide that it is, unless we give it permission 
to be a barrier to being wholehearted. So Zhao Zhu said at one point, can you value this without reservations? This is a good question to work with on a daily basis, from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep. Can I value this without reservations? And often the answer is no. And often the answer is no with many reasons and justifications. Here is why I choose to not value this without reservations. I have many reservations. Still, can I value this while having in my mind many reservations, many judgments, many likes and dislikes? Can I still value this without reservations? Which is the same as asking, how can I be wholehearted with this? right now. What needs to happen over time with practice is that we need to lose the desire to intoxicate ourselves with thoughts, with regrets, with futurizing, and with being elsewhere. We have to stop intoxicating ourselves with creating and loving another version of reality. There is no other version, never has been, never will be. This is it. Like it, don't like it, this is it. There is no choice. The only choice is to create and crawl into another version of reality or to completely and fully immerse ourselves in this. That's the only choice. <clears throat> Dogen said about practice, it is not measured by deep and shallow, only by the level of commitment and determination to the practice. Now that being said, we have to be careful not to make anything out of practice because this is the same as saying only by level of commitment and determination to life. I'm going to quit practice in our case, is akin to, I'm going to quit life. A lot of people don't know that. This is why a lot of people think that they can quit. All we can quit is a ver an idea of practice, which is in my mind, which has nothing to do with what practice is about. So I quit an idea that I created in my mind, and I no longer practice. It doesn't matter. I'm still alive. I have not quit that yet. So the question is, am I fully, wholeheartedly committed to life? And life happens here. Life happens while we like, dislike, or indifferent. Life doesn't care what we feel about it, what we think about it. It doesn't come and go based on our thoughts, based on our judgments. It is always fully present. Are we willing to be fully present with it is the question. Are we willing to be deliberate with every motion, every movement, moment by moment throughout the day? So it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to work with. 
But I think that three months of truly doing that can help us greatly deepen. Now, during the three months, uh, we will have, uh, well, first of all, Ango has uh, an Ango leader or head trainee. And uh, for this period, the, our head trainee uh, will be, as you know, Rezan from the email I sent. And Rezan is uh, no novice, although he's always a beginner, like all of us. Uh, he's not new to practice. Uh, usually, uh, the person who leads an ango, the shuso, is somebody who is not as advanced in practice. But from time to time, we recycle people to lead ango, and uh, for different reasons. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, Rezan will lead this ango, and uh, he will uh, speak a little bit as well today. Uh, he will write a weekly email addressing this, uh, addressing ways to engage with this theme, uh, sharing his own, own experiences and, uh, and guiding all of us. Along with that, um, Daibo will lead Zen art and poetry uh, engagement or workshop. Uh, Myoho will uh, lead uh, Yin Yoga, uh, another way to engage with this theme. And Segyoku will lead focusing. So what I'd like to do before we open it up to a discussion and questions is give uh, each of them uh, a little time to, uh, to briefly uh, discuss that and share with us what they plan to do. So how about uh, Rezan first? Good morning, everyone. Morning. Um, I'd like to thank Junior Roshi for having faith in me that I can be of service to the Sangha and Shosu during the spring Ango. Um, Junior and I have practiced together more or less over the past 15 years, uh, for which I am most grateful. I look forward to working together with everyone to enrich our daily practice. Um, we don't have a choice about practicing, as General was just saying. Uh, we are all practicing something all the time, but mostly without much awareness. Ango gives us the opportunity to be more intentional in our practicing, to build on the presence that is already in each of us, and to be what we want to be. We've chosen the theme of wholeheartedness for this spring Ango. There are no magic words that transparently carry us to understand what we or others try to communicate. Wholeheartedness is not self-evident. And wholeheartedness is not an exception to this. Words are tools whose usefulness we must constantly test. The next three months, we will be helping each other to find the language, the words, to discover the wholeheartedness in our lives, and to be able to discuss how this can be further developed. There are many other terms that I find difficult, awkward, or misleading. And intention is one that I've often struggled with and against. But thinking about wholeheartedness has given me a new perspective on intention. If we speak about being our intentions rather than about having intentions, this seems to make the relation more meaningful to me, making it internal and intimate. Me having an intention seems to open the gap of duality between me and the intention. Intentions come and go. 
On the other hand, seeing that I am the intention helps close it. Wholeheartedness can then be seen as the appreciation that I am what I intend to be. We'll be working with this sense of appreciation as seeing or understanding something in its wholeness instead of as this or that part. Another term I hope to explore is awareness, especially in my Zoomies discussion of the eight awarenesses of the enlightened person, what it is like to live a realized life, which he does in the hazy moon of enlightenment, which is worth reading. Uh, let me compare our practice to a bowling ball rolling down a bowling alley. I'm sure all of you have been bowling recently, and so this will be a great metaphor. <laughs> I have 20 cousins on my mother's side of the family, and after our annual Thanksgiving dinner, all of us kids would go bowling. Uh, so this is an image which works for me, but feel free to substitute your own image. You can put bumpers in the bowling alley gutters to keep the ball going down the center of the alley. The precepts and the eightfold path seem to be the Zen bumpers on the bowling alley of our practice, used to help us stay in the alley and to go forward toward the pins. But as the ball is rolling along, it is already enlightened. It just needs to roll. Pins may or may not fall, but my identification is with the ball rolling along. How can I better appreciate that I am already just fine in rolling down the alley? We spend much time trying not to fall into the gutter, but it's also helpful, as Maizumi says, to look at the actualization of enlightenment in our daily lives, to see the qualities of our rolling along that we can recognize and build upon. These seem to, there seem to be these two moments in our practice. One, the precepts and the discipline to keep rolling straight, and the other to appreciate that we are already doing the rolling. In the hazy moon of enlightenment, Maizumi describes the eight awarenesses, which is one of the Buddha's last teachings, which he calls enlightenment in action. And we will explore how these awarenesses help us toward a greater appreciation of the wholeheartedness of what we are already doing. This rolling along and expanding this more and more into our daily lives. I recommend reading or rereading both my Zoomies appreciation, appreciate your life, which most of you probably have already read at least once, and also his hazy moon of enlightenment. We will communicate more about all of this in future emails. I look forward to all of us practicing together. Thank you. Thank you, Rezan. And uh, Sugiyoko, since you're right next to him, do you want to keep going with uh, focusing? Sure. I think I can bring this closer to me. Sure. Okay. So I look a little bigger. Okay, it's beautiful. Okay, so, um, so I'll be offering uh, some experiences with interrelationship focusing, which is uh, a set of practices which I practice. Um, it is as big a part of my practice as Zazen and in many ways I think has helped me to open more than uh, actually sitting in the cushion. In fact, at the moment, I feel it is teaching me how to do my Zazen. Um, 
So the format will be that there will be uh, a one hour orientation meeting. Um, I'll offer two of these, one on a weeknight, probably on the same, well, definitely on the same night that Daibo is doing Zen art and poetry on a week when he's not doing it. And another on a weekend um, for people who can't come during the week. Um, I hope that people will email me about what a good time would be for them on the weekend if um, people would like to do this on the weekend. Um, I feel I need to say that I am not a trained certified focusing teacher, although I've been doing this for many years, um, but that I will provide resources with people who are trained if you would like to go further with this. Uh, I find that um, more and more my focusing practice fits into the theme of wholeheartedness, radical, unconditional acceptance of inner experience, which is myself, and inner trust, which has been a long time coming for me and has been a big hindrance in my um, practice of Zazen. So focusing is a uh, practice discovered and developed um, by Jean Genlin, who was in the 50s and 60s. He was a philosophy professor at the University of Chicago and worked with a well-known psychologist, um, Carl Rogers, to study why some people were helped uh, with psychotherapy and some people were not. They were surprised to find that it was a difference in how the client was doing the psychotherapy more than a difference in what the therapist was doing. And um, he considered that he discovered this because uh, it's a natural human way to be, such as just as uh, having meditative awareness is a natural human way to be, but not necessarily accessible to us. And so he developed ways to um, teach people to do this more and more. I've studied with his student and friend, friends Anne Weiser Cornell and Barbara McGavin, who developed interrelationship focusing, which uh, is a style that puts the greatest emphasis on the inner relationship. Um, the way we are present with things within ourselves. So it's based on the idea that uh, although we are whole, um, we are also a set of fragmented parts that surface uh, often in conflict with one another and um, that there are ways that we can be with this part, parts, rather than suppressing them, get to know them better and uh, develop a skillful use of attention and through a, um, a witnessing consciousness that is characterized by non-judgmental, radical acceptance, curiosity, compassion, kindness, so that the parts can change and can become integrated into this whole of who we are. And more and more, we sense the whole 
So I would say that uh, they would say the goal of focusing would be to have freedom to interact with the situations in our lives from a place of sanity and wisdom, living fully and wholeheartedly with each situation as it arises. Um, for most people, focusing works best when done with a partner who helps supply a non-judgmental presence and offers back to the focuser the focuser's own words so that the focuser can hear it and see if it fits with their experience. Um, it's a process that uses a facilitative use of language. So um, it uses language in a certain way to uh, contact what we feel in the body and what is expressed not necessarily through language might be expressed in images, gestures, movements, memories, emotions. Um, it also has the idea that not everything that needs attention is in our awareness already. Some aspects have been ex exiled and need to be invited back in. When we look, we find we are many parts, often in, in conflict, competing for attentioning, attention, and determining our actions and experiences so that, in fact, we are not the master. Uh, finally, I will say that for me, uh, it used to be for me, I had my focusing practice, I had my Sazen practice, and I fretted about whether, whether they were in conflict, uh, which one was better, which one was going to help me more. Uh, where should my loyalties be? Uh, and more and more over the past year, they are really coming together. Um, and I can see it as just one practice with different expressions. Um, so I would say that focusing has helped me experience my body more fully. It is definitely a body-based practice. Uh, it is helping me experience what staying means, what that feels like bodily when I don't stay, and uh, how it affects me when I don't stay. Um, it's showing me where I don't accept myself and what that feels like. It's gradually showing me what uh, acceptance feels like and presenting me with an alternative. Jean Rue says that it is helping me to expand. Um, it is definitely a practice of not knowing. In focusing, you are uh, challenged to engage with the edge between what is known and not known, what is formed and not yet, yet formed, what is comfortable and not comfortable. Uh, and the techniques and the partnership help me stay and be willing to stay. Um, at times I experience a living intimacy with myself and my partner that is surprising yet natural. I experience the parts within a whole. I have an increased level of intimacy with this. 
right here. It is definitely working with attention and choiceless awareness of what it wants to be known. But then there's a little different step where we choose where to place our attention and we hold it there steadily until something else uh, calls for our attention more strongly. So um, I could have used a focusing session to prepare for giving this little talk. Uh, I desperately wish that one of my partners had been available um, <laughs> because uh, there's a lot here manifesting in me about giving this talk and about what I'm saying, how I'm saying, focusing is extremely personal to me and extremely um, moving. And so uh, talking about it when I'm not sure that I can uh, say something clear about it uh, makes me feel quite vulnerable. So um, I thank you for listening. I want to say uh, one or two last things, and that is there will be there'll be this orientation uh, meeting. And then at the end, there will be a meeting for us all to discuss our experiences. And in between, there will be opportunities for focusing with a partner. Now, many people uh, have trepidation about focusing with a partner um, because we are putting ourselves in a situation of vulnerability. It is like being in Jokasan, and we may not trust that um, we want to be in that situation with another person who we haven't worked with before. Uh, I will just say that um, I can talk to you individually about that. I have things to say about that. Um, and I will just share an experience that Kyotai and I had a couple of years ago when uh, um, Kyotai asked to focus with me on a something that was coming up with her in her Zazen practice. Uh, we had this session. She never told me what the issue was that she was focusing on, and still we were able to do it. And uh, subsequently, she shared to me, with me that this, it was about something that felt blocked in her meditation. And um, she attained some clarity about uh, what the issue was. And then either it evolved and just flowed forward naturally, or she came to understand how to work with it. So um, the focuser is totally in charge of the session and says whatever they want to make public, they make public and whatever they don't, they don't. So, um, so that's about it. And if there's time at the end, I welcome any questions or you can contact me privately, and I will be sending out an email. Thank you. Thank you, Sugyoku. Daibo. Hi, everybody. Um, so I'll be offering another Zen um, art and poetry workshop. And the way that the workshop works is each week, um, we will, or, or every other week, bi-weekly, um, we will have a um, merging exercise and the merging exercise will use um, in the case of this ongo, the manifestation of spring 
um, as a way to practice um, wholeheartedness, uh, emerging with wholeheartedness. And as the, uh, as the basis of the workshop this time around, we're going to be using um, a fascicle from Dogen's Shobogenzo um, called Bakai or on plum blossoms. And um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful fascicle. We're only going to use a part of it because it's, it's rather long. Um, and the part of it that we're going to use is about um, spring and expressing spring artistically, specifically painting spring. Now, in the workshop, you don't necessarily have to be a painter, you know, you can use any um, artistic medium to express the exercise. Um, some people have used uh, photographs, some people have used short stories or, or poems, some people have used movies, um, and some people have actually used drawings and paintings and things like that. So each week, uh, the merging exercise will be will require you to to do something to to merge with either um, a physical object an emotion an activity an image or something and then come back to the group and express that through an artistic medium um, and what this does it, it creates um, it creates a way that we we express things when we work with koans where you know we internalize the um the merging experience the unity experience with whatever it is we're encountering in our lives and then we express that back um to the world so that's what the um the the art and poetry workshop will do um and it's a practice of merging merging with the season um to bring out the theme of wholeheartedness um, you don't have to be an expert in any kind of artistic medium um, if you are, that's great. Um, for those of you that have taken it in the past, um, know that we don't we don't do a critique of your expression. We allow the expression to uh, stand on its own. You can talk about it a little bit to clarify it if you like, um, but it truly is a practice of expression. Now, the, the one thing that we're gonna do this time around that's different from last time is at the end of the ongo, um, for those of you that feel comfortable doing this, um, the final expression will be an expression of the entire ongo. So you can, you can collage all the individual expressions you had along the way, or you can create a, a larger expression that kind of um, sort of speaks to what it is that you experienced during the, during the ongo. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. it. It really is a kind of open um, way for you to show us what it is that unity is to you um, in the context of a simple merging exercise. Um, so there'll be plenty of times for, for questions on this. Um, it's a very non-stressful kind of way to engage in merging. And what it does is that it gives you um, a deadline. <laughs> so, you, 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 so you experience something and then you have to show it to us. Right. And like I said, and plenty of plenty of you have taken this in the past. Um, it truly is a, a very liberating experience because it's completely free. Right. It's completely free. Um, and um, 
yeah, that's it. So uh, if anybody has any questions, you know, let me know and we can talk one-on-one uh, -on -one. or um, in the email coming around, I'm going to write an introduction. I'm going to tie it to the season. I'm going to tie it to the theme and then we can um, sort of start with the first exercise. Thank you. Thank you, Daibo. Mioha, morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, Okay, so what I'm gonna offer is the yin yoga. A lot of you may be familiar with yoga, I'm not sure with yin. So I just wanted to explain to you what it was. <clears throat> Excuse me. In regards to what we're gonna do exactly, as Daibo mentioned, it's going to be um, detailed in the emails that are gonna come around as the angle starts. But yin yoga, <clears throat> sorry, refers to the yin and yang, the black and white, female, male, and energy opposites that complement one another. So some qualities of this yoga practice is that it's slow and gentle, yet deep and challenging. So it's a slow paced style of yoga. Um, I wrote it down and I wanna just really explain to you. Um, as an exercise, in which you're going to hold the poses weight longer than usual. The practitioner is expected to hold intense sensations while in a stillness over a long period of time. Props and supports are used while you're doing the practice to help you find the appropriate depth of your body. Um, physically, the difference is, well, at other practice of yoga that you people may be familiar with, which is like Shtanga or Vinyasa, is considered a yang. Um, this this types target the superficial muscles, while yin yoga, in physically speaking, targets the deep connected tissues of the body, the ligaments, the joints, the bones, and the deep fascia networks. It also enhances the flow of uh, chi or life energy in the organs. So this calming angle is about being wholehearted. So I feel like yin yoga would allow you to become more intimate um, with the present moment. As the practitioner gets into the pose, there should be stillness, as I mentioned before, thus the individual can actually embrace the posture and become it. And when you do that, the mind um, becomes a significant challenge because it starts giving you this thought of, I want to get out, I don't like it, I can do, or any other thing. Um, so that's where the challenge come from. Every pose is different and it will trigger different things. So the question during yoga will be, can you stay in the posture and embrace it despite what it may be triggering or moving in you? Um, and I think it ties with this angle because as Jumri mentioned, can we be wholeheartedness within whatever is happening, whether we like or not situation? So I think yin yoga, it's a great compliment for the angle for those who are interested since you're gonna somehow exercise that ability of be there regardless of what's happening and somehow embrace that moment. Um, the way we try to do it is gonna be different. You don't have to be there on a specific day, but I'm gonna provide you a video or you know some sort of guidance, maybe weekly or bi-weekly and then you'll practice it. And I'm gonna find a way to engage all of us, whoever decides to do it, maybe sharing your experiences with it. And as everyone said, you can reach out to me and we can talk about it if you have any more questions. Um, 
about the practice or while you're doing it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Myoho. Okay, so thank you, the four of you, for uh, stepping forward and for putting out so much and uh, for the willingness to, to help us, to help us engage this theme uh, further and deeper. So um, let's open it up for either uh, questions. Uh, you can address uh, either one of us actually with questions or general questions or share anything about uh, what you heard so far. Junior. Yes, Enkai, good morning. Good morning. Uh, should I mention the Wednesdays and Thursday nights? Uh, the, uh, the schedule? You talk about the schedule? Well, the, what we had discussed about chanting. Uh, yeah, we could talk about it, but maybe we could tie that together with the schedule changes, which I wanted to talk about towards the end. Right, so we can connect that uh, because there will be another email, email following this discussion, which will uh, also detail some of the things that will change coming up. So you want, maybe towards the end, we can talk about that too. Okay. Any questions about uh, this particular angle, this particular theme? Yes, no? Okay. All right, so maybe questions will come soon. How, okay, so Enkai, why don't you uh, speak now and see if that stirs things up? Um, thank you. So, uh, you know, Kyrie and I have been hosting Evenings Austin um, and uh, in discussing how to adjust or, you know, what to do for the, the ongo, um, we spoke about maybe condensing it to doing just Wednesday nights at seven and Thursday nights at eight. Um, and then uh, and one thing that I really appreciated when Kyotai was hosting Zazen in the mornings was that we were chanting and it gave me the opportunity to really memorize uh, Heart Sutra in Japanese. Um, and so uh, there are still several more chants that I personally haven't memorized, but I thought it would be a nice opportunity if you all wanted um, to work on memorizing chants that we could pick a couple for those who are able to make it on Wednesdays or Thursday nights to add, um, because only doing it once a week on Sundays, I, I don't know, I'm not able to memorize them, it's not enough. So that was just an idea. Thank you. So if anybody wants to do that, you can contact uh, NKI directly and uh, right, and then take it further. Uh, let me see, there is a one. Okay, so let me ask, I'm going to just ask one question and then uh, I think that should open things up a little bit. Um, what are your difficulties in, in whether you find yourself difficult or stuck with being wholehearted? When are you not wholehearted or why are you not wholehearted? The fact that we are not wholehearted is a given. Yes, L. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, this is about where my thoughts were going to. I heard about this um, Ongo theme about a week ago, so I've been thinking about it for the past week uh, in combination with the last taste show we had, too. And I do find that 
my ideas about what the term wholehearted means uh, does get in my way in that um, when I think of wholeheartedness, I think about like being in a field with big blue skies and grass waving in the wind and just like taking a deep breath and being open hearted and just and um there are i love you know there are many moments in my life that aren't like that um there are moments in my life where i'm sitting in my room and like i'm too cold something like that um and I find that as I've been thinking about wholeheartedness, I'll be sitting in my room and I'll think I'm too cold. And there's a voice in my head that's like, well, that's not very wholehearted of you, is it? Um, and so I have thought I'm continuing to also move with the uh, some ideas about equanimity that we talked about last week or uh, last Tay show. Um, and like thinking that was also mentioned today as like wholeheartedness is a constantly moving point, or I was going to say constantly moving target, but maybe there's another word besides target that describes like just a space. Um, and so sometimes I think about wholeheartedness in a way that's passive and discourages action. So I think, ah, uh, in this moment where I'm uncomfortable, I really have to practice on sitting still and accepting this discomfort. And I think that might also point to some of my understandings of Zazen. And there are times where wholeheartedness does invite action or does invite responding to a need. But also there's a lot of my Zazen practice I feel that has to do with recognizing my needs as less urgent than I think they all are, or my wants. So there's a little bit of like, there's something that needs to be parsed out there. And those were just some of my thoughts I was thinking about this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, right, it's all uh, very universal. Right, wholehearted uh, is is tied uh, very uh, deeply with feeling good about something or feeling feeling good in general, right? So feeling good, yeah. If I don't feel good, no way, right? I'm gonna be either half-hearted or maybe twenty percent hearted, right? But uh, and and that's what we want to work with or so ask the question: Can I be, can I be wholeheartedless, wholehearted regardless of? what I think or what my mind is, is uh, commenting or saying about this, right? Um, now, um, acceptance, we, we worked with acceptance last angle, and uh, since we have mastered it, <laughs> uh, not. Uh, but since we, we got an idea of how to work with uh, or what acceptance means, right? Then we can move, we can shift from that to wholeheartedness. Because if we're not accepting, we're not there's no way we can be wholehearted, right? We have good reasons to not be wholehearted. Here is what I'm not accepting, and here's why I'm not going to be wholehearted, right? So accept, acceptance is a prerequisite to being wholehearted, right? We can see it in that way. And then wholeheartedness deepens our, the level of acceptance that we are experiencing. So they work together very well. 
and it continues from from that very well but uh yeah to to ask can i be whole so feeling cold right it doesn't mean i'm gonna enjoy it right and and maybe that's something we need to bring into that it doesn't mean i need to enjoy in order to be wholehearted right so can i still be wholehearted it means to accept to relax into what does not feel good and uh and it, it is a practice to relax into what doesn't feel good is a practice in and of itself right and when we relax into what doesn't feel good something changes the barrier the wall the resistance drops away so if for example you do cold showers as an exercise it's a really great practice uh five minutes cold shower that uh before you go into a cold shower you don't want to go into a cold shower there's no doubt it's the last thing you want to do and the mind says don't do that but then you relax you breathe you go into it and in the beginning again you want to run away but then what happens after a minute or two if you do like five minutes or so something in you relaxes into that and something changes it is quite drastic and there is merging there is being being unified in that moment and it doesn't feel as cold so the, of course the physiologically the body does get used to that so something happens but the, the mental barrier the initial mental barrier is actually in the mind and if we understand that we can learn to work with that open up to something that the mind says don't do this is not good uh, you, that's okay i'm going to do it anyway something changes and then there is mer there is a an experience of merging and then we can grow right so there are many exercises there are many ways we can tackle that or engage with that uh, practice we have to be willing to do that obviously but there are many ways to engage with that. If you need some suggestions, ask me. I'll give you plenty. <laughs> you may not like it, but I will give you. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, I don't, uh, um, yes, <laughs> I don't think I want them, but perhaps <laughs> I will ask. <laughs> yeah, your, mi you. your mind is saying that, that's true, but still. <laughs> I know. Thank you. I know. Okay, Joan. Hi, everyone. Um, Three thoughts arose in my mind about uh, whole, uh, barriers to wholeheartedness. And one of them, I've been noticing more and more that um, clinging and grasping when they occur in the mind, that that, that is, to my surprise, um, a barrier to wholeheartedness because it's not letting in the darker side. Every situation and person has a darker side. Mm -hmm. So if I get too hung up on the clinging and the grasping, that's taking me away from wholeheartedness. And I was very surprised to uh, notice that. And um, the flip side is, of course, a barrier when something produces aversion in me. In Zazen, in particular, I want to push away that thought. And that, too, is a barrier to um, wholeheartedness. And I was noticing just this morning when I was sitting with everyone that sometimes I noticed the thought came up like, oh my God, it's only been like six minutes and I had the impulse to want to like escape. But of course I continued to sit. So those are the three thoughts I had on um, Barry's wholeheartedness. And it's been a wonderful um, discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. So, so one thing that brings up is, is uh, that we have to maybe uh, uh, pay attention to is the inclusiveness. <laughs> to be wholehearted is to be inclusive 
And uh, that ties very well with, uh, with what Sugyoku uh, talked about, right? In, in terms of focusing, um, nothing is rejected, right? So to be wholehearted is not to reject anything, right? And uh, not to go along with the judgment of this, but also to not reject and to accept this as it is, right? Which is the, the gateway to, to being wholehearted. Right. So uh, shadows. Right. We have we all have deep shadows. We all have all kinds of uh, aspects or sides of ourselves. Uh, some we are aware of, maybe many we're not aware of. Right. They pop up. They show themselves up in different times. And uh, and to stay open, open hearted, we can say. Right. As well, to stay open to whatever comes. Right. To stay open to not knowing what will come. Still, the practice the practice should not change or the intention to practice wholeheartedness uh, uh, should not uh, uh, open and close based on what arises moment by moment, right? It's not conditional, as we say, right? It's not about, let me see, I'm going to stick my finger in, finger in the wind and decide how much of myself am I going to give into this moment, right? Recognize it, this moment is life. That's it. So why would I not want to be fully there with that right however it shows up and there are times that it is challenging and painful but that's what it is that's life life is is life varies we can say right it doesn't come in one size one shape one taste it varies and i need to vary with it so thank you yeah, Jasmine, good morning. Um, hopefully this will, uh, you know, I can express, um, express it uh, well. Um, so um, my thing is, let's say, uh, for example, let's say, and, uh, you know, something comes to you, but something doesn't feel right inside. But I don't know if that's just my own fears standing in the way mm -hmm. or if it's something like I don't know how to recognize uh, sometimes what is actually my fears you know due to whatever uh, things in life mm -hmm. or if it's actually something that's not right for me mm -hmm. so I think with uh, wholeheartedness I, um, I don't know how to if I should accept it I should go into a state of acceptance that yes, I'm going to go forward with this, or if I should, um, you know, not not accept that thing and move away from it. So that's where my struggle kind of lies sometimes. Yeah, and right, it's a good point because what we talk about in terms of wholeheartedness is not about staying with that or going with this. It's more about recognizing as much as we can recognize right now. Right. And then if it means and we investigate, right, so wholeheartedly investigate what's going on, you take it all in and the conclusion may be wholeheartedly going. Right. The conclusion may be going somewhere else. Right. The conclusion may be uh, hanging up the phone. The conclusion may be uh, ending a conversation or even ending a relationship. Right. It, there's no it, there are, there's no book. Right. It doesn't it's not about one thing in particular. Right. It's about uh, acknowledging or cultivating a state of mind that embraces 
And embracing sometimes means walking away or saying something, saying stop to someone, right? That may be what, what needs to arise at that moment. We don't know what will need to arise, but if we are fully there, if we are wholehearted, chances are we, we will see what we need to be doing. So to be wholehearted with what you feel. So again, uh, going back to what Sugyoku was, was talking about, is, is cultivating that quietly, right? Quietly, uh, the ability to be wholehearted with, with everything and then to see what arises. How are you going to move from that? You don't know ahead of time. Right? You don't know ahead of time. So you want to keep all possibilities and options open to allow yourself to move in, in, the, in the most fitting way after you recognize what's happening, right? So when you investigate, investigate wholeheartedly. Thank you. Sugiyoku wants to correct what I said. <laughs> say Absolutely something. Absolutely not. I just <laughs> no, wanted joking, to say that. That was so interesting what you said, Jasmine, because um, that is a really common uh, topic for people in focusing, in focusing practice, exactly what you are talking about. That's all. Okay, so you will elaborate on that later in an email or when maybe one-on-one, but uh, yeah, but that's definitely something to sure. look at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, we still have a few more minutes. So yes, Kelly, good morning. Good morning. Um, what comes up for me is a perhaps a, a challenge to wholeheartedness is thinking about um, the moment by moment sustained attention that this is asking of us. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can be wholehearted sometimes. <laughs> um, and I, I think to myself of the challenge, like I think of the spaces in between. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge of, of, of bringing a seamlessness to life for me. Um, so, you know, I find I, like it, it's, it seems less challenging for me to engage in a wholehearted conversation, but more challenging for me to engage wholeheartedly in um, walking from one place to another or uh, doing the dishes or not doing the dishes or, <laughs> um, you know, even brushing your teeth. These, these moments and spaces that, you know, kind of link our link moment to moment for mm -hmm. us. So I, I, in maybe yoga, it's like the transitions from pose to pose mm -hmm. that are, 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 are bringing up to me, like the, the sense of a challenge or like, I, I, my fear is that I won't be able to sustain it. Um, and that I'm in, and maybe the fear there is that I'm missing a lot, missing out on a lot of life, um, by, by not bringing my conscious awareness and my sustained attention wholeheartedly to all of those moments. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, missing out on life, right? So that's, that's by itself a very important statement, right? When I'm not wholehearted, I'm missing out. Now, it's not something to, to worry about, but it's something that, we, that can guide us, right? So we, I think we all find it easier to be wholehearted with, with some things and then difficult to be wholehearted with other things, right? And that's why we experience intermittent Heartedness, wholeheartedness, right? Partial or wholeheartedness based on what I personally find difficult to give myself to, right? 
And, and of course, that's a given, and we all have a different ways of experiencing this. But what we want to do is take on a three months of exploring, of studying, where am I not wholehearted in life, right? And not to worry about it as much as to work with, okay, I'm going to try to, to be more wholehearted with that, knowing this is a challenge for me. It may not be a challenge for someone else, but for me, this is a challenge. Right, and this is where the the, indiv the individual practice comes to life. Right, we all practicing together, but very differently, in a way. Right, we bring a different karma to this and different challenges. So here is where I'm not wholehearted. I, I'm unwilling to be vulnerable, for example. Right, I don't want to be. I don't want to open up to this, because I'm afraid of what I will experience, or because of things that happened in the past. Right, so I am. I'm not being wholehearted because I'm protecting something. Right, that that's often happens. So slowly and gently working with that, right? Identifying where am I not wholehearted, and gently working with expanding, uh, uh, melting that barrier, right? And in, in small increments, right? So so personal ango commitment is personal ango commitment, right? So there is a general theme how. Each one of us will work with that theme has to vary. And that's why um, it's a good segue to, to connect to the email that will come and will include the ANGO commitment form, uh, which has some basic things under, uh, outlined. But then on the other side of that, we have to write our own personal commitments. Where am I? What do I need to apply this uh, uh, wholeheartedness practice? Right? Where am I not wholehearted? Right, so so instead of worrying about it, we should change it to being excited uh, for the opportunity to to work with that. Right, we don't have to worry about it. We just okay. Well, great. Here now, I know where I need to apply some effort. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ben. Also. Uh, we are going to keep talking about it individually, right? Because I, I see all of you one-on-one, -on -one, obviously, and we can keep talking about it, the, the personal aspects of it, when we, when we talk one-on-one. -on -one. Okay? But, uh, okay, so maybe one more if anybody wants to say anything. The last chance for today. We're good? Okay, so a uh, couple of uh, quick announcements. So, so as I mentioned, there will be an email coming up probably later today um, with some changes to the schedule as well. We are going to uh, bring back the Saturday morning um, Zazen. Uh, so, so there will be more times to sit. The seats will go back to, uh, as we did last angle, to 40 minutes. So it will be morning 6.20 to 7.00. Uh, there'll be also the uh, Sunday morning zazen or practice uh, will start at 8 and will finish at 11.15. So uh, the first seat will be 40 minutes. So there'll be 40 minute seats every day. Um, on top of that, oh yeah, one more announcement. So next Sunday, we are scheduled to have a, a zazenkai, full day zazenkai, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Donovan's uh, funeral will be on that day uh, this, in the afternoon so the, the Zazenkai will be will uh, be half day sit 
So we will probably start a bit earlier and finish around 12.15 or so. I'll send an email with the schedule. Uh, but we will end with the Anger opening uh, ceremony. So everybody will get a chance to express their Anger intentions, commitments. Okay, and we will sit. Uh, there probably won't be time for Teisho, but there will be time for uh, everybody to express their intentions. And uh, I also want to uh, welcome Christian. To uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, he is from Florida, uh, and uh, he is with us now. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to end. Uh, please stay tuned for uh, the four vows.